Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Billy Bunger. Hi, and I'm Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to a very special episode of Lift the Lid on location at Brands Hatch Racetrack. If you couldn't tell. So Billy, welcome to Brands Hatch. Thanks. Here we are. We're going to be doing something slightly different to what we normally do. So we're what going we to do going a, on, mate? a two-part podcast this is part one yeah and we're going to go to a certain section of the track here to have a little bit of chat about something that happened in the past with me and then we will do exactly the same thing with your good self a little talk about the accidents we both had yes i think that's a little bit what we're going to be talking about the good the good and the bad the good and the bad crashes the bounce back the bounce back you got it and all that stuff that goes with it but also it's how we met isn't it through the crash i had yeah. And then the crash you had. Yeah, you had your crash a few you. years before me, mate. Uh, but many, many a year before that you, That experience yes. sort of pushed you towards coming to see me when I had my accident and helping me, you know, get back on that road to recovery. So uh, It did not push me <laughs> at all. There was no push needed. I knew how important it was to be there. Well, listen, I appreciated it, mate. So yeah. hopefully uh, everyone listening can, you know, take away something from our experiences. Indeed, right. Well, there is the... Uh, the bridge in front of us. Let's go and have a let's go and have a look. Let's have a look. Martini and Donnelly were clear as the field made its way along the Cooper Strait towards Surtees. Herbert in third, Foytek in fourth, and Griard in fifth place. Then it was to Pilgrim's drop and catastrophe. He clips me in my head. I'm almost going to go in. Shit, this is going to be a big one. <laughs> Do you know how much of that I got out? I got the shh. As Herbert and Foytek slammed from wall to wall, Griard was collected. Foytek barrel rolled along the armco, and there were cars everywhere. I opened my eyes, mm-hmm. expecting to sort of see Druids, but over the top of the cockpit. But yeah. I could see Hawthorne by looking through 
the front of the, where front, the front of the car should front of the been. car. So the first thing I thought was from my knees down, legs gone. The main concern was for Johnny Herbert's legs. These have been pounded against the concrete wall under the bridge and again against the arm curve. I've got a sort of mentality is where it's happened, it's done, it's over. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah, you can't so do anything about you it. You can't do anything about it. And I think it proves never give up. Never give up. That's the biggest thing. Never give up because you never, never know. So, Johnny. Yeah. Gonna have a little wander out onto the circuit. Do you want to talk us through, you know, 1988, what kind of went on in leading up to your accident and, you know, the story of what happened? Yeah. Well, I was on a on a good way to Formula One. There oh, we go. The sound the there is I know. Look at that. opening up the gate right. by the Herbert Bridge. By the, the Herbert, Johnny Herbert Bridge. I know. Bridge. Gosh, Check you out. the only bit of fame I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hit the thing to actually get the damn name on it. No, I didn't hit anything, <laughs> man. That's why I've got nothing named after me. Well, you did. Well, you did, well yeah, yeah. Just hit a car. You hit a car. Just you hit, hit something. You've always got to hit something, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, my, my career was very good because I'd done Formula 3 with Eddie Jordan, won that championship, and I got my, my first... F1 test actually here on the Indy 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 circuit. So my Your first, first F1 test. So was my here. first big car win yeah. was the Formula Ford Festival in 1985. Okay. At Brands Hatch. Nice. My first F1 test was on the Indy circuit. It's funny, isn't it? Brands Hatch has yes. been good to you up to a certain up point. Up to a certain point. <laughs> up to a certain point. Yes. And then it bit. Then it yeah. bit really hard. So yes, yeah, so that was going very, very well. I won the first race of the Formula 3000 championship in Jerez at the beginning of uh, 88. And then the week of the race, I think it was the week of the race, I did a test for Lotus uh, at uh, Monza. Peter War had asked Peter Collins, who was a team manager at Benetton, was it okay that they could use me because I was sort of their driver, Benetton's driver. Peter said, yeah, no problem at all. So I went to Monza and I was testing against the current world champion, Nelson Piquet. Yeah. And test started felt very very comfortable with the car i was going faster than nelson Piquet. nice so that was a, a little name drop in there mate. Thing. indeed <laughs> indeed indeed and then the test finished really really happy with how things have been going and then the pa of enzo ferrari took me aside to say that enzo wanted to meet me okay so he wasn't there at that just, particular just day. enzo ferrari just enzo ferrari we spoke very very briefly on the phone um, then I basically got on the flight and I went back uh, to the UK and came straight to Brands for qualifying on the Saturday, I think it must have been. Got pole position. Sunday morning, as I'm sort of going to the paddock or in the paddock, I meet Frank Williams. So you're, you're meeting the big bosses in Formula I mean, 1, well, the big bosses, yes. I was, this, Hot property, I, was mate. A, I was the next big thing. And met, met Frank. Frank said he wants to see me after the race. So within a week... I've, I've, Benetton was always one thing. Peter War at Lotus was interested in me as well. Enzo Ferrari's interested in me. And then I get to right, Frank Williams some. as well. <laughs> yes, for some. And then that bubble. I would say it was like a bubble. My bubble ball started really, really small. I was carting. It got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And at yeah. this point, I was on top of this ball. And I, and I honestly felt I could be anybody, anywhere, any track, any car, any condition. And That's I just a good place this. to be. It's a, it's a very good place <laughs> to be. Um, but of course, I get to Brands, get that pole position, um, and then it goes into the race itself. And the and race. What went is, on? Was it just well, any other race day? 
from your well, perspective? The first part was was yes. I was on pole position, got away, got in the lead. I think I think I was about twelve seconds ahead uh, on the first part of the race. Martin Donnelly was my teammate for the first time of that race weekend. Was second, did a brilliant job, uh, just jumping in the car after being replacing Thomas Danielson. So I'm I'm gone in the first race. Yeah. I was so quick in that period. And then Gregor Wojtek, who I'd had a bit of an incident in Vallelunga a couple of races before and I actually ended up sort of in a medical centre because I've actually hit my helmet on the armco. Cool. When I when I hit the there's like a, it's like the hairpin in Vallelunga, but the actual no, hand devices back in those oh, no, days. Oh no no that no the monocot used to stop about around sort of halfway up your arm. Really? Just below your shoulder. That's so crazy. yes, everything was hanging out, hanging <laughs> out of the car really. Although I was short, I was a little bit further down in, <laughs> in the cockpit. But uh, yeah, so Gregor had this sort of unfortunate knack of really getting involved with uh, with incidents but he took Roberto Moreno out going into paddock they red flagged it so then we had to do a restart but I, I remember so are you cursing in your helmet going I've built up a 12 second lead and now yes, but that was the positive because it was going to be a two-part race ah. so I had 12 seconds anyway so it really didn't matter so yeah. although on the restart and I still have no idea I parked as you know the pole position has got a bit of a dip hasn't yeah. it here at Brands so, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, a bit of a different sometimes it's better to start from second here isn't it because you can sort of yeah. aim your car down the hill well when I did the Formula 4 Festival I actually started third did you? that was even better that yeah, was right that's, on the that left is that's the pretty, down, yeah. Yeah, so it was so that was all okay so, so I parked it slightly with the back up yeah. thinking logically thinking that once I got moving get a good run down I get a good run down didn't quite work got stuck down the hole got a lot of wheel spin and it didn't really happen third going into paddock banged wheels with Wojtek going into Druids we then got on to Surtees and I remember looking in my mirror and we're at the track at the moment aren't we we look back it's not really we're looking the wide, wrong way it? back at the no minute, I know we're looking back at Surtees yeah back at Surtees but it's not wide is it no, Brands, not really. The GP part of, of Brands Hatch is narrow, but that's part of the reason why why I love it. Yes, me too. I don't know about you as a driver, but yes, I do because of the challenge of it. But basically, he came out of Surtees and he was right behind me, and I thought, actually, no, that's okay. I'm just going to park in the middle. Yeah. And when we're standing here in the middle, you put a car in the middle of the track. It's not very easy to go left or right. No. No. So basically, he tried to pass me. He tried to pass you, you parked your car in the middle. I parked a part in the middle, and it, I knew it, it was going to be damn tight. Yeah. It was going to be almost a stupid risk to really try and overtake me. Yeah. So basically, he, his right front clips my left rear. Yeah. And all I can in my head, I know I was, so he was trying to think. around the outside of you. So around the outside, basically, yeah. yes, as we head down to, to Hawthorne itself. Yeah. So he clips me, and then, as I say, in my head, I'm almost going to go in shit this is going to be a big one <laughs> you're bracing yourself already really, at really, this really. point as soon as you get contact coming down a straight like this yes. you know you're going to be in the wall more yes. than likely but do you know how much of that I got out I got the shh and then you're in the wall <laughs> <laughs> in the wall it happened so quick because I think the I think the impact was about 160 miles an hour I Ooh. think it was yes and the, and the problem is if we look at the barrier the barrier is quite straight isn't it but Normally goes all the way. Normally a barrier, doesn't it? it goes straight down a straight. Straight down yes. a straight, yeah. But because we're under actually the bridge halfway down the, yeah. down the Johnny the, Herbert down the bridge. The Johnny Herbert bridge. <laughs> Johnny Herbert bridge. Name plug, you mate. Yeah, I know. It's still here. I never <laughs> knocked it down, which is brilliant. So basically, the bank goes around the bridge. So when I turn left after getting nudged by get by tagged. Greg Orr, I'm going to take you over to it. Go on, because it's. I'm going to show you a little bit more of what happened. Because I then effectively hit the barrier head on. But because I, it comes back towards the Because it the comes circuit. back towards the circuit. Yeah. Yes. But the actual barrier, get it there, pull it over. Yeah. If you hit it in the middle yeah. of those two girders, it's yeah. going to absorb it. Yes. Yeah. 
But that girder, I hit head on. Oh, nice. And I bent it, I believe, 90 degrees. So all the energy was straight to that girder. So you hit the hardest point of the barrier, which then which has no give. No, and then the car itself. <laughs> so something else had to give. And it was the car that then decided to break off. And the whole sort of front end, so probably from my knees forward, yeah. the car had gone completely. Oh. And even the, the steering rack, which was fixed to the front of the car, the steering column and the steering wheel got dragged out of the front of the car as well. I've hit that, 160. Yeah. The front of the car's broken off. Yeah. I spin around yeah. underneath the bridge itself. Yeah. And then I go head on. Into the other side. Onto the... the other side. But my legs are hanging out the front. So when I hit for the second time, this is what so I So you think. hit head on again. Head on again, but with the feet hanging out the front. So my left, my left foot sort of has got almost sort of taken off completely. It's sort of a 90, I don't know, 180 degree sort of cut that sort of took my left foot off. My boot got sort of ripped off, yeah. as you would have thought. I heard, and I don't know if it was ever true, I heard it was in the, in the radiator of Mark Blundell. I don't know if that was ever <laughs> true, actually. I need to ask Mark if that is actually a true thing. Always forget about these, these little, little yeah. things. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the left, you want to forget left about foot was hanging stuff. out. Some of it, but it's, it's part of my life. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I was, I was now, conscious through the whole thing. Same through as me through my thing. accident. There yeah, you go. Yeah. So, so when I stopped, so it's only probably about 20 metres in front of us, yeah. I opened my eyes mm-hmm. expecting to sort of see druids but over the top of the cockpit. But yeah. I could see Hawthorne by looking through the front of the, where front, the, front of the car should The front of the been. car. So the first thing I thought was from my knees down, legs gone. Really? You thought that straight see. away? Yes, because that was the first thing I thought. So... I remember a marshal coming up on the left-hand side. I remember that marshal sort of uh, saying, you okay? Yeah. And I, and I sort of went, am I okay? <laughs> <laughs> but he went to the front. But of the- if you were able to have a conversation, this is what I want to know. If you were able to have that conversation, at that point, were you not feeling any form of like pain or anything? Was it the adrenaline yeah. was still going through we're your body? Going. And yeah, you were felt like, nothing. I feel fine. Absolutely felt nothing. Apart from the fact you probably knew you weren't fine. Yeah, 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 but it didn't. The pain doesn't suddenly. Yeah, it didn't. You don't just get shooting pain. No, yeah. it's quite bizarre. But then I hear your sort of your body has a lot more. I don't know pain relief naturally. Yeah, it gives out this a massive amount of pain relief, and actually it it stops that pain coming. So the brain sort of blocks it out somehow. But he went to the front of the car, which is crazy, really. Yeah, it isn't is crazy. It to think about. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable what the body body can do. So he goes to the front of the car, and he's almost sick looking oh. down so again that was almost like see I've, they're definitely gone yeah, i feel very lucky here in this story because yes. all my doctors you know they were fairly straight faced and yeah you know obviously a lot of my the cockpit of my car was fairly still intact yeah to a certain extent in comparison to you where you could literally see through see the, the front of my legs it. hanging out the front yeah on the circuit yeah. yeah so i couldn't see as much i don't think they could see as much so there was no sick going no, on when true. i had my I know, accident that's true, no, no. But he wasn't actually physically sick but he was he <laughs> nearly he was very very near to that so then I, all I then remember is putting my head back and going, knock me out, knock me out, knock me out, knock me out. So I think the... the oh, what uh, you were asking for them to... Ask, well, I didn't want to know. I didn't want... Because yeah, I thought I my head... I don't know why I sound so surprised when I asked you my legs that, are gone. I think I would have probably wanted knocking out at that point as yeah, Exactly. Well. <laughs> and as I'm speaking to you now, I've got a view of having no legs. Looking at... It's, it's, it's weird, yeah. Yeah. Because that's... I can sort of go, if that was the case. Yeah. It would have been a completely different thing but it's funny I can sort of visualise it and I think I must have visualised it in the car because yeah. a lot of the time I can't actually remember 
or not. Once I got the gas, I was conscious for about forty minutes after my crash. But I don't remember every minute. No, I think this gas sort of somehow what was going on. Yeah, it keeps you sort of alert, but actually you're not alert. You're away with the fairies. You're away with totally away with the fairies. I do, I do, and I can't remember it now. We're speaking. I do remember Adrian Reynard coming up and my engineer as well, and then leaning back and going, "Is the spare car ready?" Or you never you said that to him. I did, didn't have a spare car. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a spare car. But I remember asking Trevor Foster if it was it was ready. It was my engineer. So, so that did was. Did he give you a response? Did, I, I can't remember. Can't remember. I really can't. I really can't remember. And that's the only thing that I remember. Although I can't actually remember it happening at the moment. So, so the the only time I was aware once everything got cleared cleared up, put in hospital, put in the ambulance, taken to Sidcup Hospital just down the road. I woke up in intensive care for about 30 seconds, something like that. And Michel Trollet, French driver, had a crash at uh, Dingledale the day before and broke his, broke his legs. Yeah. Um, and he was the other side. And I tried to whistle. I tried to... <laughs> Michel, so 30 seconds. And, but what I didn't, I noticed, but he didn't register, my feet wrapped in bandages red bandages but red bandages so both was of them. it like a, you took in something that oh my feet are still no that's it, the weird the thing I didn't take it in but I had taken it in because when I came out of the operation I saw my feet I was already aware that I still had my feet but I wasn't aware at that particular yeah. time it's really weird how the brain sort of works from that point of view so when I came out of the operating theatre then I was sort of then realistically aware everything was sort of okay but yeah. i didn't know the damage that i'd done i was still weirdly that about you i was still thinking i can still race a car yeah even that early on after straight the away yeah. just for a bit of contact what was the weather and everything like on the day because we're at brands hatch now and we're quite lucky to be standing under the johnny hammer <laughs> yeah, the- bridge because it is typical english fashion bit of rain hammering it down was it dry at the time yeah dry, dry. Race, uh, it wasn't any like you know mixed conditions or anything no, like that no it was good good weather I, I think it was sort of you know partly cloudy i think that was about yeah because um, by the bit of rain or slicks and wet for my one so oh, that, okay you right know, it was ah, a yes bit, that's true yeah a bit different very very different but again this for me you know it's down a straight like, yeah come on it's yeah greg on what the hell are you <laughs> i don't thinking know what, at the point it's, you, I, I look back just I on the road as well just driving on the road just completely separate uh, when i see people crash on the motorway it does grind my gears a little bit i think how can you crash in a straight line and what i'm finding out now is that you managed to do it 160 mile an hour have a crash straight line it's funny aren't you <laughs> uh, not he's not funny but nobody laughs at his poor jokes poor jokes yes but We've been around racing for a long time. There are many accidents you see or many comings together. You go, how the hell did you put yourself in yeah, that you position? Yeah, you see one car over there, one car there, yeah. and you think, how they ended up there? Well, you're racing. They... You're going up the inside for a move that's not on at all. And you yeah. go, what do you do? And of course, they collide and they go out and you go, you're just, you're just a wally. You're <laughs> a real wally for doing that. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right, so it just popped back inside, mate. I brought you back in. I was getting a bit, you were getting a bit cold and bit sort of shivery out there. Yeah, yeah well, sound thoughtful. Speaking about really shivery, we've got your frightening crashes, it's described on YouTube. Yeah. We're actually going to watch it now. I've not actually seen this properly before. No, okay, right. Yeah, you just, so you now, wanna... yeah well, just before we start it, can you see the way I've parked it there? Yeah, you parked it on the wonk, mate. I parked it's like it on you're the parking wonk. outside. Uh, yes, <laughs> but it's parked on the wonk for a reason. It's to get an absolutely... Blinding start. Blinding start, so play. Play. Cut to... It's already gone. One wrong. goes past. <laughs> Two's gone go. past. Now it's this man here in the white. We'll see how close he gets to me. Ooh. We hit. Yeah, I was about to say, We've you look hit. like you've touched yes. each other. So you've dropped and from first to third off yeah, the start. Yeah, it's fine. I had a 12-second advantage after the first, first race. But we clashed. Into Druids as well. Into he Druids drove as well. into in the side of me into Druids. He's all over, you. He's you, all over you're me. You're holding him up, mate. Yes, it's the first <laughs> laps. God, blimey, stop getting ahead of yourself. This is where it goes a bit peak tong. So straight away on lap one. So, so we're there I am. The there we go. It touches Whoa. me. Boom. Bang. There you go. Oh, my. That's a mess, isn't it? And he rolls look down. Look at the, the carnage going on behind oh, you. Oh, it's everywhere. So let's have a look. Slow-mo. Yeah. And he's still driving me into the wall. Yeah, he's, he's followed he's a, you into the barrier, attached. mate. He's got you from behind, yeah. tagged you, and yeah. then he's followed you in. Yeah, straight in. So that's what I've, you call a proper I've job. Got, yeah, unfortunately, too good a job. <laughs> too good a job. <laughs> too good a job. Because <laughs> it's what happens next. Look at that. Mate, but the it's, speed you're yeah. going. Well, it was sort of pretty spectacular, I have to say. But yeah, uh, yeah. as uh, Jacques go Villeneuve... Go home. As Jacques Villeneuve always said to me, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Yeah, you've done it and properly And I did there. it very properly. Uh, and mine seems like minor in comparison to this now, because <laughs> I was just the only one involved apart from the guy I hit. You've taken... Oh, well, I took most of the things out. But there was, <laughs> carry it on, carry it on, because it might do the restart. How much damage do you reckon you did in terms of cost? I don't just know. Just in that alone. Millions. It's got to be Millions. out there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, it's good, isn't it? You weren't joking about the front of the car being non-existent. Oh, totally so. Well, as I said, it's the whole steering rack and everything that's gone. Right. Steering wheel. That makes there was you nothing go left. funny just looking at that, the fact that there is no front end on that car I anymore. See, I'm different. I'm slightly warped in my head because I'm going, oh, yes. <laughs> You're going, yes. Looking <laughs> yes, well, that's a good one. Well, I'm talking to you about it. So Yeah, true. Yeah. But there you go. There you go, mate. Only half, half, half a car. Not only have you taken half of your car out, yeah. you took the whole field out. With I did you. take. I'm sure there was only about seven cars left or something like did that. Did they resume that race? Yeah, there was another. Yeah, it carried on for the third part three. I bet the geezer who managed to avoid that and end up on the podium or winning that race was Martin Donnelly. Chuffed. Martin Donnelly in his first Formula Three thousand race. What? So he won his first race. He won his first race after I took most of the field out. <laughs> How much did he pay you? <laughs> well, he don't know. He paid me when he had his crash in Jerez. 
because then I replaced him actually at Lotus. Uh, so that's that's how we always play it. I sort of helped him here. He helped him help me. Well, out that's at certainly Lotus. A, a big crash, mate. Yeah, impressed with that one. Yeah, it's something I won't be doing anytime soon. No, I won't try and replicate no, no, it. No, 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 no. Thanks. Done. Good though, wasn't it? Yeah, good one. Right, mate. So we're gonna have a little wander down actually to where the the whole thing came to a standstill. Do you want to kind of? Eventually. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> want to talk us through? Yes. That? Well, luckily as well, when I hit on the on the right hand side for the yeah. second time, so, the, so it's just over, over there, there. Under the bridge, bounced yeah, over bounced this side, smashed head on into that one. Head onto this spins one. Spins sort of on the grass a little bit, then rejoins the track. Yeah stops so it's probably at about 10 meters in front of us i would imagine yeah and then that's where i open my open my eyes to see this massive hole in the just in the monocoque just to see that view that you've just got to see there. that view. well this is it you can see the view i could see the trees obviously i could just see everything but it was actually not being able to see my feet and what you don't really get from this perspective of standing up is how steep that hill is yeah. when you're even lower to the ground you know when you're in that the cockpit yeah you really you know can imagine that just almost looked like a, a tarmac like a wall, wall to a certain yes. extent. Yes, well, it, yes, because you know you're, it's something you've you've never seen. Yeah, anything else you see, it's just looking over the top of the cockpit. Yeah, on your racing line, but road. you're looking at yeah, looking ahead. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly you're looking sort of on the top of your knees and, and seeing see through. That. Yeah, seeing through, but you're not seeing a steering wheel because that's all got sort of steering wheel taken gone. out the front as well through my legs and out. Yeah, and then it's that first realization that I got is where knees nothing else there it's all gone but it's it's at that point where you sort of go you know if they've gone this is it you know my sort of racing career is done I want to ask you about your your rehab how you bounced back <coughs> after the accident because obviously the way you've just described it for me there you know is it crazy to sort of hear from your perspective about you know the fact you thought that your legs were gone and that you know mm. the the speed you hit the barriers with nothing to sort of protect your legs stuff like that it all sounds you know gruesome and brutal which i'm sure it was at it the was. time yeah but you've obviously bounced back to do mega things so how was yeah. that all like i don't know about you but i i was very well i was very lucky because i had an option with benetton and Peter Collins still had this belief. And it, and it was a very positive thing for me to always hear. I never got a phone call the week after saying, sorry, we ain't going to be taking up that option. I never, ever got that. Really? Peter was always phoning up, had the feet. And I remember one time he asked, probably a couple of weeks after, maybe a little bit more. He said, how are the feet? I said, they're OK. I said, it's moving on the left. It was moving a thousandth of an inch. But it was moving. But it was a positive thing yeah. for me. You've got to take the little wins, haven't you? Yeah. So I was sort of giving all this positivity out. But as I said to you, I never had this feeling of I'm never going to be able to do it. But then I got a call to say, we've taken up the option of the contract. When I was still in a wheelchair. Really? Still with my feet sort of stuck outwards. And so that must have been a nice moment to have. Was it like a encouraging moment? Like, right, I need to... Was it like... Did it motivate you to go and go, right, I need to get myself back to full fighting shape here because this, is, this exactly. is my chance? Exactly that. You know, you suddenly had... The, I had this dream of getting to Formula 1. I was th that close. I was sort of the next big thing, but that bubble got burst very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. But I had this one opportunity, and I was given the opportunity, and I thought, I've got to give this... I've got to give this absolutely everything to try and get give myself the best chance of racing at that, that first race in Rio. Mm -hmm. So that gave me the motivation to do it. Was it painful? 
bloody hell was it painful. It's the most painful thing I've ever, ever experienced. Is that just a rehab process? Just the rehab, yeah. Because yeah. when I went, I went to Austria, uh, Tony Mattis in his clinic, and he looked after Nigel, I think, Keki Rosberg, a couple of other people. He was well-versed in looking after racing drivers, I guess yes. is what you're saying. Not maybe broken racing maybe drivers. Maybe not so much but, broken. No. But. So I used to go to this, uh, his clinic was in Felkirk in, uh, in Austria, and we basically, I used to go in the mountains, and I used to climb up this mountain about for about 200 meters come back down again go up again and this is when my my foot was about that big my left foot so, so it's just like for people a, at home here it's like a slightly looks sort of like deflated a huge football foot but it's quite big it's a big melon but it's quite <laughs> it was quite swollen yeah say. and my t- and even today my toes don't move they don't flex really quite fixed they yeah really move. so when i'm climbing up the this mountain it is killing just the, even the tips of my tips of my toes because it's it's on the nail all the time and why was that your f- way of rehabbing it like what was the f- theory behind it um don't know <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're just subjecting yourself to loads of no pain i think he liked watching mountains. me i think he liked watching me in pain <laughs> yeah. i think that was that was the idea because then there were some steps there were these steps and they went on for the miles they went up to uh, in the sky they went above the mountains they just disappeared in the clouds and then they disappeared <laughs> where's and johnny he's got up thing. to the clouds yeah again. step training because yeah. I had Bernd Schneider, who used to do DTM, mm-hmm. and a few other drivers around that used to turn up. I think the Mercedes team used to go there, do their training. And this step training was always part so of their... So were you seeing other drivers do the same sort of things you were doing whilst not, you were not, rehabbing? Not in, not in the forest. Not in not the in forest. The fo- not in the mountain forest. They yeah. weren't doing that. They were just doing the step the step stuff. Then we go to the gym, do sit-ups and press-ups and push-ups and all that stuff. So, But that only happened every, for a week, maybe. Maybe two weeks, Matt. But I think it was only a week they turned up. Then the rest of it, I was on my own. And then there's motivation to carry on doing it. Because I had one day a month where I'd go, I'm done. This is just really? too much. Just, well, I'm in pain every yeah. single minute of the day, and this is too much. I'd wake up in the morning, all fresh, and I'd start again. Then a month later, I'd have that one day. Yeah. So, how long did that go on for? Was it literally until you got back in the car in Rio that you were like, um, you were questioning, you know, whether you were done? No, again, it was one day, so I was very lucky. It wasn't sort of every week or anything, so it was only that one day a month, so that was okay. The first time I, I walked, I remember, so it was the first time my feet had actually sort of gone downwards to where they, where they should have been. And then there was that rush of blood. I don't know if you had the same thing, the rush of mm. blood that went there. And it was, again, so painful. Then I stood up, and then there was even more pain. And I think I did two steps. I think it probably was only about one and a half steps in December. So the accident here was the 21st of August and December was my first time I walked. Basically, I couldn't walk. The doctors always said you can't walk because I don't know what it's called. But when my left foot was broken and sort of ripped, nearly ripped off, mm. it was like plasticine. So if I'd ever stood on it, it would have just collapsed and sort of, you know, it would just been not, not, not being uh, a very good thing to do. So I just basically stayed bed bound um, did all the exercising but just never ever stood I was just shuffling around on my backside yeah. doing it so and then yeah eventually got to that chance to get to to Rio and do that first yeah first and race. talk us through Rio because I mean that must have been a, that's a pretty mega moment surely for you in terms of you know you've gone through all that suffering you've gone through those moments of thinking I'm I'm done I'm like this is not for me anymore I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this the pain's too much and then all of a sudden 
like you said, your dream of being a Formula One driver, you're, you're in a Formula One car in Rio. Yeah. Well, I, I was lucky because in those days, a month before, I used to do a test. Yeah. And we went to do the test. Um, we spent a couple of days doing nothing because the fuel hadn't turned up. And then eventually the fuel turned up. And then we were doing, I think, the first day. could have been the second day. But basically, I was doing some tests in. And then suddenly they said, right, you're doing a race distance. wasn't in the plan, <laughs> but you're going to do a race distance. And then there was, I understand, there was a lot of betting with the mechanics of how long I was going to last. So were people questioning, you know, whether Johnny's fit to race still at that point? That's why they did the, the race. Really? Because there was still some questions. I think that was coming from Italy because Flavio Bruatoria was just coming into Formula One at that point and Luciano Benetton, or Benetton, obviously they'd been chatting and it was sort of, you know, what is this guy? I was still on crutches at this point as well. So I'm walking around the F1 on test paddock in, on crutches. And then I'm basically they're picking me up and slotting me into the car. So basically, yes, they filled the car up. Off I went. Everybody disappeared. All had their little bets. I think the most I got was about 15. I think 15 laps was the most that they, they, the mechanics really? thought I would do that. Yeah. But there was one guy just giving me the board. Uh, Stuart Spies. And it was only Stuart, I think, who was, who was doing that. And an hour and a half later, I ran out of fuel. So you so I proved, did the full race distance, I proved you proved them all wrong. Yeah, but I still had a meeting with Luciano Bennett and Flavio Peter Collins, my manager at the time, Mike Thompson, who basically sort of had a discussion. Can you do this? And I said, well, yeah. I I've proved, just done it in I've testing. just proved it in the test and everything else. So there was no argument. But I know Emmanuele Piro was in Italy, Rome Airport, waiting to actually fly over to Rio. But luckily it didn't happen. And then, of course... I, I, I qualified at qualified Alessandro Nanini in qualifying 12th or 13th I think I was and then finished uh, fourth in the race literally two seconds less than that about a second behind Alain Prost who was, who was second Mitchell Guzman was third and then I was third we went across so the nearly line got in a row nearly got a podium in my first in my first Grand Prix that, so, that would have been mental yeah but I never I never ever had a thought that it wasn't I wasn't I wasn't able yeah. to drive I look back now and go you were bonkers because you were so bad so bad yeah because when I did the race I wasn't allowed to have cr- crutches but I just I couldn't walk because it was so so painful I want to ask you about the mental side of the accident we've talked quite a lot about the physical you know recovery in terms of you know your feet the damage that was done the rehab process you went through but from a mental side of things how did you get yourself back in the right frame of mind to be able to sort of, you know, drive a race car and not be worried or have any sort of weird feelings around that? Well, I, I suppose it's, it's personal, isn't it, at the end of the day? But I think for me, I, I still had the fire burning in my, my tummy. So because I still had the fire burning, I still had that contract yeah. option. Then I had a contract. That was just the drive that gave you the direction total, and the motivation total well we, you know we both have to have some motivation at some point otherwise yeah. you'll just not do anything yeah and you'll give up and actually you'll be worse off for that mentally physically and everything else yeah so so i think our situations at the time both of us it allowed us to push ourselves to sort of get back into racing i know you were exactly the same yeah. you wanted to go racing again i wanted to go racing and because of that there was nothing going, whoa, 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 this is dangerous. You don't want to do this. You don't have another crash like yeah. that again. I never thought that. I, before the crash, I thought it would never, never happen to me. I had the crash. Afterwards, it will never happen to me again. Yeah, you kind of have to have that you thought. Because if that. you start f- seeing the accidents yeah. like 
in certain situations like you see if your car's side by side ahead and you start thinking like that that as a racing driver that just isn't going to work because you're no. going to break a couple meters early you know you're never going to be putting yourself on the limit so yeah it's interesting to hear you say that you know you that was still your mindset afterwards that yeah. you were like no not gonna happen to me no and even now I talk about it today. I'm still. I think I'm. Sometimes I'm a bit mad, but I think it's the way I'm wired. <laughs> I, can, I can confirm that. You, right? you can. Okay, there you go. But I think I am wired in a yeah. particular way, and I think you've got to be wired in a in a way. Because if you ever thought about the dangers that are out there, you'd never be able to push yourself to the limits. So I think that. But got you can cut. apply that to a lot of stuff. You yeah, know, a lot it's not of stuff. Just, you no, know, no, no. Us I as agree. racing drivers, no. so that we're not that different to other people out there but you know it's just the sport well we that's where i think we are di- but we are different with the wiring because i think a general person wouldn't be able to do it because they've got that i don't know they've got that sort of natural safety mechanism in there which is saying stop because hmm. you're not going to hurt yourself we don't get that yeah. we are pushing ourselves we, we know that we might go off we know we might crash but that's a thrill Mm. as well isn't it it's the thrill and the kick and everything else you get with it yeah you don't get an adrenaline rush like it you no, know exactly. i know from my perspective you know i've yeah. tried lots of different sports and done lots of different things and nothing gets that get that it. buzz that no. you get from being on a limit in a race car yeah, but we still get it now you yeah. go karting yeah i still get a buzz from doing that so all that i see your smile on your face yeah, isn't love it? it you'd love it it's just it, all that is such an important thing to get over the situations we both we both went through. Yeah. I think we're both lucky to have been able to experience, you know, that feeling of being behind the wheel and getting that buzz, you know. Yeah. A lot of people potentially in their day-to-day lives don't have that thing that allows them to get that excited or feel the, that adrenaline kick. So no. I think that's really important for anybody, you know. I think it is, yeah. Finding something that something. gives you... Even if it's to, darts yeah. <laughs> in your local pub, it's the same thing. If you get your 180s, your 180s, it's a buzz. Yeah. It's a buzz from getting that. So it's just everybody has a different way of getting a buzz. We just like living on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah, sometimes it bites okay, back. No, it does bite, it does go up, but very painfully sometimes. How quickly did you come back to Brands Hatch after the accident itself? Crikey. Was it, um, you know, oof. were you racing here soon after or was it sort of, it wasn't somewhere that you came wasn't back? the next week I don't it wasn't the next no it week. wasn't the next week definitely not I reckon it was probably about 15 years or so later maybe more than that really yeah I think it was a long time well again so my career have, did, well my career kicked yeah, off yeah so it wasn't like uh, you just didn't want to come <laughs> no. back here for any particular reason no. it was just like you were busy being a Formula 1 driver yes. and going around the world yeah I, I came here in 92 to do a, a Lotus sort of lap record attempt but that was on the indie circuit oh, so, so I never, never actually came, came back, back to this yeah, to the bridge, the to the Johnny circuit. Herbert Bridge, to actually <laughs> see, see, the, see that. I think the first time I came here was when I did touring cars. So this is about 2000, I don't know, I can't remember when it was, that 2011, 2010, yeah. 2011, with my daughter. And we actually were picking in the grass, and I don't know if it was mine or not, but when I picked through the grass, there were still little yellow sort of carbon fibery fragments that were still in the grass no yeah if they were mine i don't know it just seemed very it seemed a bit there. weird that yeah. they were yellow <laughs> at the point that i definitely yeah. had the second impact anyway made a bit of a mess so i probably think most of it was i'm sure there's other crashes that have happened since mm. chances of them being all yellow yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit a bit of a chance that probably wasn't realistic but uh, no it's it's good to be back billy because it's uh it was a place that everything was going so so well everything went so badly but it still enabled me to, to carry on and have a career. And what about 
brand such in general as a circuit, love you know, it. as a driver. Is Still it? love it. Because I just standing here now makes I'm desperate to get behind the wheel of something because yeah. I'm like this this place for me as a driver it tests you to the absolute limit. Yeah. Because it's high speed, narrow. Yeah. Well, we're looking now, aren't we? We're looking at Hawthorne. Yeah. We're looking at that runoff. It's not a lot of runoff. There's there not a lot of runoff, yeah. Would I back off? No. I'd <laughs> no. still go for it. Yeah. Still go for it. No, it's, the, it's a challenge, isn't it? And I yeah. think the challenge is a really important thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I came here, I think, the first time in 1985. Nigel Mansell winning his first Grand Prix, European Grand Prix. 1,000 horsepower. <laughs> Can you imagine I cannot imagine here? what a 1,000 horsepower around here feels <laughs> yeah. like. The, fastest car I've driven around here was a British F3 car yeah. which I think had about 300 just over maybe 320 yeah. and that for me was like this This thing feels pinned so I can't imagine what a thousand yeah. horsepower felt no. like no but all those drivers of that period it was normal yeah and it was a challenge and they loved it yeah and we come back here like we've just said looking at Hawthorne love this place yeah I think proper it's racetrack proper racetrack if I could drive any old school Formula 1 car yeah go on on a, yeah. a, a track it would probably be this would be well up there on the list yeah you know you've got your Spas and your Silverstones which are awesome tracks as well but yeah. there's just something about this base it just feels old school it doesn't but in a good way it doesn't feel like it's you know been modernized to the certain extent that some tracks are where you get loads and loads of runoff and you feel like you make a mistake and get away with it yeah i like tracks where you know you feel like it's all or nothing sort of yeah i do as well again you've you've got your smile on your face again we're looking at hawthorne but we know we go through hawthorne and we know we go to Westfield, we'd have that smile on our face <laughs> once again. You go through Hawthorne. That's, that's why I love the GP circuit, because yeah. every single corner around the back here exactly. puts a smile on your face yes. when you get it right. Yeah. I remember being here in F4, so my first year of F4, and it was Friday practice, and it was dry, and I was top of Friday practice, and I set the unofficial lap record round here. Yeah. And then I was gutted because I woke up on the Saturday morning and it was raining. And I thought I was really <laughs> looking forward to yes. really putting it on the line and qualifying. And then yeah. it was wet, which was still fun around here. But, you know, it, w- it wasn't as fast. No, I no, wanted no, no, more no, no, speed. No. I wanted to see what I could do. Do you remember the lines in the wet? Yeah, of course I do. Go on then. Have a Hawthorne. Go Hawthorne. on there in front of us there. Right-hander. Very quick right-hander. Very quick right-hander. Well, the thing is, because they're so quick and it's so narrow... This is a sort of circuit where the wet lines aren't as different, as different to other circuits. Yeah. Because at other circuits, you know, you go really wide in, deep, yeah. cut back across the rubber. Sure. But round here, because it's not used so much, there's not as much rubber down. You sort of, for, for me, it was always sort of just over half a car width wide of the dry line. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just a little bit wider. Yeah. Just a little the bit The old carting line. Yeah. Carting racing line. Yeah, a little exactly. bit of a carting line. Yeah, a little bit wider. And yeah. it always seems to have just that little bit more. Yeah. As you know, we're always searching. For searching grip. for the grip we will always search for it and this track it works you hard <laughs> to try and find that grip yeah. that's for sure yeah it's just a wonderful place to come back to love it and we've obviously spoken about the accident you know because that is a big part of your story like we yeah. we, we spoke about earlier but i want to know off the back of going through that adversity that mm. crash and then going on to do what you did in your career in formula one do you think you learned any lessons that served you well off the back of having that accident anything that made you you know have a slightly different appreciation for the opportunity you had to still drive in formula one 
Well, I think for life, that was one thing that definitely changed. I, I, I realised how fragile life was, and we've only got a certain amount of time on this, this planet. With you but, on that one, mate. Yeah, That's and, something I learned. Yeah, and when you've... And again, when you get those... They probably became more, more important, but when you get those opportunities after I had that accident... You just have to push yourself all the time. So I was doing that before, but then I did find that I was probably working at it harder than what I had done before. Just Did because you think I that's from the rehab suddenly... stuff? Yeah. Because yeah. that, like you mentioned earlier, that is like one of the hardest things you ever had to go through was rehabbing yeah. and getting yourself back up to speed. And that was one of the hardest things for me as well was, you know, getting back up to speed, going through that rehab process. You know, that is a physically and mentally demanding thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like it can unlock sort of a sixth gear sort of thing that you yeah. maybe didn't realise you could push yourself that far and all of a sudden you Well, I think to that's the that. thing. You're right. You have to, I, I, I pushed myself way, way more after that because in the period I had to do that rehab, I had to push myself somewhere I'd never been before. Yeah. I'd never had so much pain, but I had so much drive to do that. And that's where it was like a bit of an awakening. That and you then sort you of go, like, oh, you, I can apply this to I can apply stuff. this. Yeah, and it is. It's in any form of life business life or, or even sporting life that you can sort of you can find a way through the difficult times and I think that's something I definitely sort of grabbed hold of afterwards because my my Formula One career wasn't perfect but I had to do some bounce backs even during that period but because of the the big bounce back after the accident here I learned to be able to sort of I don't know find my way to put myself in a in a good position again mentally but also that sort of pushed it across to, to the media as well. And anything you want to say to any of the listeners in terms of like, you know, something for them to be able to take a bit of wisdom, a bit of knowledge from what you went through to apply to themselves if they've, you know, they're dealing with, with something and they're looking to bounce back and get things back on track in their own lives? Or yeah, well, I think... I, any wisdom again, for, from you? Well, there is, Billy, because there's always that thing, never give up. So never, give, never giving, giving up is, is one thing. But it's also, you can always find a way around a problem. And I only know that through my feet. I had to change my driving style so much more, just on my feet. Because healing and towing used to be the way. So your ankle used to move to blip the throttle. My ankle never moved. It only went up and down. I couldn't blip the throttle. How did you manage that then? Well, I had to then do it through my hip and my knee to twist and use my heel. Yeah. It wasn't natural in in any shape or form. But I had to find... A way of doing that and that's where you you can find ways through difficult situations you find yourself in so if your imagination is open to that you can steer yourself through difficult periods that may be in your life and come out of it with a smile on your face i can relate to a lot of that stuff you just said there about you know changing yourself adapting i think adapting is something that you know sometimes you get set in your ways don't you you do you know and it takes something like that to for you to realize that you know Things can be done a little bit differently if needs be. I've got a sort of mentality is where it's happened, it's done, it's over. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah, you can't so do anything about it. You can't it do anything about it. And I think it proves, and it's always something I, when I talk to young kids at a school or something or other, never give up. Never give up. That's the biggest thing. Never give up because you never, never know. It may not work out perfectly in that particular situation, but it might. And that's where I always say, yeah, push yourself. If you push and push and push and push, it'll probably be more than worth it at the end. Yeah, no regrets. No, no regrets. Definitely not. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please do us a favour and click the follow button on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on. 
And as ever, if there's anything you want to ask, please get in touch at Lift the Lid Pod on social channels or Lift the Lid Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back later in the week for some of the same. Thanks for being with us and we'll catch up soon. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Ryan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. See you next time. Mm-hmm.